This is Audible. Blackstone Audio presents the politically incorrect guide to Darwinism and intelligent design by Jonathan Wells, Ph.D. Dedication for Philip and Kathy Johnson Chapter 1 Wars and Rumors Guess what? The controversy is not over evolution, which can mean simply change over time, but Darwinism, which claims that design in living things is just an illusion. Intelligent design is not biblical creationism, but a scientific theory based on evidence from nature and consistent with everyday logic. Some Darwinists pretend that they're just selling students on change over time when they're really peddling much more. Evolution Wars, declares an August 2005 cover of Time magazine. In a parody of the Sistine Chapel, the bearded figure of God points down at a chimpanzee contemplating the subtitle of the cover story. The push to teach intelligent design raises a question, does God have a place in science class? In March 2006, the American Association for the Advancement of Science issued an urgent call to arms for American scientists meant to recruit troops for the escalating war against creationism and its spin-off doctrine, intelligent design. Controversy over Darwinian evolution has been simmering for decades, and now it has erupted into a full-blown culture war between Darwinism and intelligent design. Pennsylvania State University anthropologist Pat Shipman calls intelligent design horribly frightening, and writes, I know that I and my colleagues in science are being stalked with careful and deadly deliberation. I fear my days are numbered. According to Marshall Berman, past president of the New Mexico Academy of Science, intelligent design threatens all of science and society. Brown University Darwinist Kenneth R. Miller says, What is at stake is literally everything. This sounds like more than a war of words, and it is but it turns on the meaning of some key words, so let's begin by looking at them. Evolution Evolution has many meanings. In its most general sense, it simply means change over time. The present is different from the past. No sane person rejects evolution in this sense. Refining the meaning slightly, anthropologist Eugenie C. Scott writes, what unites astronomical, geological, and biological evolution is the concept of change through time. But not all change is evolution, so we must distinguish evolution as being cumulative change through time. Nobody rejects evolution in this sense, either. Our grandparents had a perfectly good word for it. They called it history. In biology, evolution takes on additional meanings. Some biologists define it as a change in gene frequencies over generations. Like change over time, or cumulative change over time, evolution in this sense is uncontroversial. My genes are different from my parents, and my children's genes are different from mine. So what? Charles Darwin's term for biological evolution was descent with modification. When used in a limited sense, however, even this is uncontroversial. Like a change in gene frequencies, descent with modification happens every time a child is born. 
breeders have been using artificial selection to produce descent with modification for centuries, within existing species. Natural selection has also been observed to do the same in the wild, but again, only within existing species. So nobody in any field quarrels with change over time, or cumulative change over time, and nobody in biology doubts change in gene frequencies or descent with modification within existing species, even hypotheses that some closely related species, such as finches on the Galapagos Islands, are descended with modification from a common ancestor are not particularly controversial. They generate more debate among evolutionary biologists than they do among biblical creationists, since Genesis states only that God created certain kinds. But Charles Darwin claimed far more than any of these things. In The Origin of Species, he set out to explain the origin of not just one or a few species, but all species after the first. In short, all the diversity of life on earth. The correct word for this is not evolution, but Darwinism. Darwin plus ism equals... Darwinism consists of the following claims. 1. All living things are modified descendants of a common ancestor. 2. The principal mechanism of modification has been natural selection acting on undirected variations that originate in DNA mutations. And 3. Unguided processes are sufficient to explain all features of living things, so whatever may appear to be design is just an illusion. Darwinism Darwin wrote in The Origin of Species, I view all beings not as special creations, but as the lineal descendants of some few beings that lived in the distant past. Darwin believed that living things have been modified primarily by natural selection acting on random variations, survival of the fittest. I am convinced, he wrote, that natural selection has been the most important but not the exclusive means of modification. According to a 1998 booklet published by the U.S. National Academy of Sciences, Organisms in nature typically produce more offspring than can survive and reproduce given the constraints of food, space, and other resources in the environment. These offspring often differ from one another in ways that are heritable. That is, they can pass on the differences genetically to their own offspring. If competing offspring have traits that are advantageous in a given environment, they will survive and pass on those traits. As differences continue to accumulate over generations, populations of organisms diverge from their ancestors. This straightforward process has led the earliest organisms on Earth to diversify into all of the plants, animals, and microorganisms that exist today. Although the origin of life is often included in discussions of evolution, Darwin's theory applies only to living things. Darwin speculated that life may have started in some warm little pond, but beyond that he had little to say on the subject. It seems likely that the first cells were bacteria, but as Harvard biologist Mark W. Kirshner and Berkeley biologist John C. Gerhardt wrote in 2005, everything about evolution before the bacteria-like forms is sheer conjecture, because evidence is completely lacking about what preceded this early cellular ancestor. In any case, Darwinism does not include the origin of life. 19th-century Harvard botanist Asa Gray argued that biological evolution was guided by God. Gray advised Darwin to assume that variation has been led along certain beneficial lines, streams flowing over a sloping plain by gravitation, here the counterpart of natural selection, may have worn their actual channels as they flowed, 
yet their particular courses may have been assigned. Darwin wrote to Gray that he was charmed with the stream metaphor, but he concluded his next book, The Variation of Animals and Plants Under Domestication, with an explicit rejection of Gray's view. Using the metaphor of a house built with rocks found at the base of a cliff, Darwin explained, The fragments of stone, though indispensable to the architect, bear to the edifice built by him the same relation which the fluctuating variations of each organic being bear to the varied and admirable structures ultimately acquired by its modified descendants. Thus, in regard to the use to which the fragments may be put, their shape may be strictly said to be accidental. In Darwin's metaphor, of course, the architect is natural selection, though he insisted that natural selection means only the preservation of variations which independently arise. Darwin concluded, There seems to be no more design in the variability of organic beings and in the action of natural selection than in the course which the wind blows. Although I cannot look at the universe as the result of blind chance, he wrote, yet I can see no evidence of beneficent design, or indeed of design of any kind, in the details. He was inclined to look at everything as resulting from designed laws, with the details, whether good or bad, left to the working out of what we may call chance. Darwin did not know the origin of new variations, but modern Darwinists believe that DNA mutations supply them. In 1970, French molecular biologist Jacques Monod said that with the discovery of DNA's structure and function, and the understanding of the random physical basis of mutation that molecular biology has also provided, the mechanism of Darwinism is at last securely founded. Monod concluded, Man has to understand that he is a mere accident. So, living things may look as though they were designed, but if Darwinism is true, then this is only an illusion. Oxford Darwinist Richard Dawkins even defines biology as the study of complicated things that give the appearance of having been designed. Design is only an appearance, he believes, because the evidence of evolution reveals a universe without design. Thus Darwinism consists of the following claims. 1. All living things are modified descendants of a common ancestor. 2. The principal mechanism of modification has been natural selection acting on undirected variations originating in DNA mutations. And 3. Unguided processes are sufficient to explain all features of living things, so design is an illusion. Survival of the Hippest and I'll survive. I will survive. Gloria Gaynor There isn't a church lady in intelligent design. Intelligent design, ID, maintains that it is possible to infer from empirical evidence that some features of the natural world are best explained by an intelligent cause rather than unguided natural processes. Since ID relies on evidence rather than on scripture or religious doctrines, it is not creationism or a form of religion. Creation Like evolution, creation has many meanings. In its broadest sense, it simply means making something new. Human beings create lots of things. Even when creation involves a being who transcends the natural world, it can have many meanings, from creating out of nothing to fashioning things from pre-existing materials. With regard to living things, a creator might have made all species in their present forms in a single instant, 
or a creator might have established universal laws and stepped back to let nature take its course. Between these two extremes, there are many possible views. As we saw above, Charles Darwin was inclined to look at everything as resulting from designed laws. He also wrote in later editions of The Origin of Species that life may have been originally breathed by the Creator into a few forms or into one. If creation is defined to include the view that a Creator designed the laws of the universe and intervened to make the first living cells, then even Darwin was a creationist. In the present controversy, however, the term is usually reserved for biblical creation. According to a literal reading of the first verses of Genesis, God created the universe and living things in six days, a little over six thousand years ago. But even Christians disagree over the interpretation of the Genesis days. When Christian clergymen pioneered the modern study of geology in the early 19th century, many people interpreted Genesis to accommodate an old earth. As a result, when Darwin published his theory in 1859, there was almost no opposition to it based on biblical chronology. What is now known as young earth creationism did not rise to prominence until the middle of the 20th century. Skirmishes between young earth and old earth creationists, and between both of these groups and the Darwinists, have been going on for decades, but they are not the source of the war declared by Time magazine in 2005. The new war is not about evolution and creation, but about Darwinism and something called intelligent design. What is it that Pat Shipman calls horribly frightening, and Marshall Berman says threatens all of science and society? The missing link is really a missing debate. Define evolution as an issue of the history of the planet, as the way we try to understand change through time. The present is different from the past. Evolution happened. There is no debate within science as to whether it happened, and so on. I have used this approach at the college level. Eugenie C. Scott Intelligent Design According to the theory of intelligent design, I.D., it is possible to infer from empirical evidence that some features of the natural world are best explained by an intelligent cause rather than by unguided processes. Although design arguments have a venerable history, the I.D. movement, as it is sometimes called, is quite recent. It originated with the publication of several books between 1984 and 1992 in a small meeting organized by Berkeley Law Professor Philip E. Johnson near Monterey, California, in 1993. Seven things are worth noting before we proceed further. First, the word intelligent emphasizes that design, in this case, is not just a pattern, but a pattern produced by a mind that conceives and executes a plan. Any natural causes involved are guided by intelligence. Writing a meaningful paragraph on a computer depends on various physiological, mechanical, and electronic processes, but without a mind directing them, they would not produce the paragraph. Second, ID is not a substitute for ignorance. If we don't know the cause of something, that does not mean it was designed. When we make design inferences, and all of us make them every day, we do so on the basis of evidence. The more evidence, the more reliable the design inference Third, since intelligent design relies on scientific evidence rather than on scripture or religious doctrines, it is not biblical creationism. Intelligent design makes no claims about biblical chronology, and biblical creationists have clearly distinguished their views from I.D. A person does not even need to believe in God to infer intelligent design in nature. 
Otherwise, prominent atheist Antony Flew could not have been persuaded that the evidence in nature points to design. Fourth, ID does not tell us the identity of the designer. Although most proponents of ID believe that the designer is the God of the Bible, they acknowledge that this belief goes beyond the scientific evidence. Thus, ID is not the same as 19th century natural theology, which reasoned from nature the attributes of God. Instead, ID restricts itself to a simple question. Does the evidence point to design in nature? The answer to this question, whether yes or no, carries implications for religious belief, but the question can be asked and answered without presupposing those implications. Fifth, ID does not claim that design must be optimal. Something may be designed even if it is flawed. When automobile manufacturers recall defective vehicles, they are showing that those vehicles were badly designed, not that they were undesigned. Sixth, intelligent design is compatible with some aspects of Darwinian evolution. ID does not deny the reality of variation and natural selection. It just denies that those phenomena can accomplish all that Darwinists claim they can accomplish. ID does not maintain that all species were created in their present form. Indeed, some ID advocates have no quarrel with the idea that all living things are descended from a common ancestor. ID challenges only the sufficiency of unguided natural processes and the Darwinian claim that design in living things is an illusion rather than a reality. Finally, intelligent design can apply on two different levels. Design may be detectable in specific features of living things, but it may also be detectable in natural laws and the structure of the cosmos. Most people who consider themselves ID advocates maintain not only that design is empirically detectable in the cosmos as a whole, but also that some features of the natural world, such as the shapes of rocks at the base of a cliff, are not designed in the same sense that other features, such as the information in DNA, are designed. Books that started the intelligent design movement The Mystery of Life's Origin by Charles B. Thaxton, Walter L. Bradley, and Roger L. Olson, Dallas, Texas, Lewis and Stanley, 1984 Evolution, A Theory in Crisis by Michael Denton Bethesda, Maryland, Adler and Adler, 1985 Darwin on Trial Second edition by Philip E. Johnson, Downers Grove, Illinois, InterVarsity Press, 1993. War of the Words The many meanings of evolution are frequently exploited by Darwinists to distract their critics. Eugenie Scott recommends, Define evolution as an issue of the history of the planet, as the way we try to understand change through time. The present is different from the past. Evolution happened, there is no debate within science as to whether it happened, and so on. I have used this approach at the college level. Of course, no college student, indeed no grade school dropout, doubts that the present is different from the past. Once Scott gets them nodding in agreement, she gradually introduces them to the big idea that all species, including monkeys and humans, are related through descent from a common ancestor. Darwin called this descent with modification, and it is still the best definition of evolution we can use. This tactic is called equivocation, changing the meaning of a term in the middle of an argument. Another tactic is to revise the history of science to discredit troublesome terminology. Harvard sociobiologist Edward O. Wilson recently claimed that the word Darwinism was coined by enemies of Darwin to make him look bad. It's a rhetorical device to make evolution seem like a kind of faith, like Maoism, 
said Wilson in Newsweek in November 2005. Scientists, Wilson added, don't call it Darwinism. Yet according to the Oxford English Dictionary, Thomas Henry Huxley, Darwin's most famous defender in Britain, used Darwinism in 1864 to describe Charles Darwin's theory. In 1876, Harvard botanist Asa Gray, who despite their disagreement over whether evolution was guided, was Darwin's most ardent defender in America, who despite their disagreement over whether evolution was guided was Darwin's most ardent defender in America, published Darwinia, Essays and Reviews Pertaining to Darwinism. And in 1889, Natural Selection's co-discoverer Alfred Russell Wallace published Darwinism, an Exposition of the Theory of Natural Selection. Two of Wilson's former Harvard colleagues, evolutionary biologists Ernst Mayer and Stephen Jay Gould, used the word extensively in their scientific writings. And recent science journals carry articles with titles such as Darwinism and Immunology and The Integration of Darwinism and Evolutionary Morphology. Some people sugarcoat Darwinism to slip it down the throats of unsuspecting college students, while others falsely claim that the term is a creationist fabrication. Another source of confusion in the controversy is that intelligent design is often misdefined. The most common definition of ID in the news media is that some aspects of nature are so complex they must have been designed. Chapter 8 will explain in detail why this definition is incorrect. Wrong definitions such as this may be simply due to misunderstanding, but some Darwinists deliberately misdefine ID in order to discredit it. For example, philosopher Robert T. Pinock insists on calling ID intelligent design creationism. Although, as we saw above, even Charles Darwin was a creationist by some definitions, calling ID intelligent design creationism in the context of the present controversy misleads people to confuse ID with biblical religion. For example, in 2005, science writer Matt Ridley called intelligent design merely a dishonest attempt to repackage a literal interpretation of the Bible as science. University of Wisconsin-Madison historian Robert L. Numbers, an expert on creationism and a critic of intelligent design, says that it is inaccurate to call ID creationism, though it is the easiest way to discredit it. Despite all the honest confusion and dishonest information, it isn't difficult to understand the issues in the war between Darwinism and intelligent design. We'll take them up one at a time in the chapters that follow. According to the eminent Italian geneticist and Darwin critic Giuseppe Sermonti, Darwinism is the politically correct science. And according to Darwinists, intelligent design is a horribly frightening threat to all of science and society. Since the book you are now listening to criticizes Darwinism and defends intelligent design, it is not only politically incorrect, but also politically dangerous. Books You're Not Supposed to Read By Design or By Chance, The Growing Controversy on the Origins of Life in the Universe By Denise O'Leary, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Augsburg Books, 2004 Doubts About Darwin, A History of Intelligent Design By Thomas Woodward, Grand Rapids, Michigan, Baker Books, 2004 a Meaningful World, How the Arts and Sciences Reveal the Genius of Nature, by Benjamin Weicker and Jonathan Witt, Downers Grove, Illinois, InterVarsity Press, 2006. Websites You're Not Supposed to Visit www.discovery.org slash csc www.arn.org 
www.designinference.com www.uncommondescent.com www.iscid.org www.designorchance.com and www.idthefuture.com Do fossils also provide evidence for Darwin's theory that all living things are modified descendants of a common ancestor? Darwin's Tree of Life Imagine having a chronoscope that would enable you to peer back in time to the origin of the first animal, perhaps a primitive sponge. The sponge makes more sponges like itself, and, if Darwin's theory is true, after thousands of generations this sponge population splits into two different kinds of sponges, which we call separate species. After millions more generations and the origin of a few more species, some species become so different from each other that we group them into two genera, plural of genus. After countless more generations, the differences increase to the point where some genera are so different from each other that we divide them into two families. As differences continue to accumulate, we eventually group various families into two or more orders, and various orders into two or more classes. Despite all the generations and all the differences, however, we might still have only sponges. Then another major type of animal emerges, perhaps a jellyfish. This animal would be so radically different from the others that we wouldn't consider it just another class of sponge, but an entirely new category, a phylum, plural phyla. This pattern of gradual divergence from a common ancestor, with major differences arising only after a long accumulation of minor differences, is how Darwin envisioned evolution. By the theory of natural selection, he wrote, all living species have been connected with the parent species of each genus, by differences not greater than we see between the natural and domestic varieties of the same species at the present day. According to Darwin's theory, if we could have observed the process of animal evolution, the number of intermediate and transitional links between all living and extinct species must have been inconceivably great. Those transitional links would have formed a branching pattern that Darwin called the Great Tree of Life. He illustrated this with a sketch in The Origin of Species. If the A at the lower left in Darwin's illustration were the primitive sponge from which all other animals descended, most of the branches above it will still be sponges. The major differences, the phyla, would appear only at the top, after a long history of branching due to the accumulation of minor differences. Modern biologists recognize several dozen animal phyla based on major differences in body plans. There are over a dozen phyla of worms alone, but there are even more striking differences between worms and mollusks, clams and octopuses, echinoderms, starfish and sea urchins, arthropods, lobsters and insects, and vertebrates, fish, amphibians, reptiles, birds, and mammals. If Darwin's theory were true, then these major differences should make their appearance at the top of his great tree of life. But the fossil record shows exactly the opposite. The Cambrian Explosion When Darwin wrote The Origin of Species, the oldest known fossils were from a geological period known as the Cambrian, named after rocks in Cambria, Wales. But the Cambrian fossil record doesn't start with one or a few species that diverged gradually over millions of years into genera, then families, then orders, then classes, then phyla. Instead, most of the major animal phyla and many of the major classes within them appear together abruptly in the Cambrian, fully formed. 
According to modern paleontologists James Valentine, Stanley Oramick, Philip Senior, and Peter Sadler, the appearance of the major animal phyla near the beginning of the Cambrian is the single most spectacular phenomenon evident in the fossil record. The phenomenon is so dramatic that it has become known as the Cambrian Explosion, or Biology's Big Bang. Darwin was to some extent aware of this, and he called it a serious problem, which at present must remain inexplicable and may be truly urged as a valid argument against the views here entertained. He discounted the problem by arguing that the innumerable transitional forms required by his theory must have existed, but they were either too small or too delicate to have been preserved in the fossil record. Many of Darwin's followers have relied on the same argument. In the past few decades, however, paleontologists have discovered microfossils of tiny bacteria in rocks estimated to be billions of years older than the Cambrian. Furthermore, detailed studies of fossils from the Cambrian explosion itself show that many of them were soft-bodied. According to Cambridge University paleontologist Simon Conway Morris, these remarkable Cambrian fossils reveal not only their outlines, but sometimes even internal organs such as the intestines or muscles. University of California, Los Angeles paleobiologist William Schaff wrote in 1994, The long-held notion that Precambrian organisms must have been too small or too delicate to have been preserved in geological materials is now recognized as incorrect. Valentine and his colleagues agreed that the Cambrian explosion is real. It is too big to be masked by flaws in the fossil record. Indeed, as more fossils are discovered, it becomes clear that the Cambrian explosion was even more abrupt and extensive than previously envisioned. So the major phylum level differences that Darwin predicted would appear last in the fossil record actually appeared first. Instead of proceeding from the bottom up, it seems that animal evolution, in the words of Valentine and his colleagues, has by and large proceeded from the top down. Paleontologist Harry Whittington, who pioneered the modern study of the Cambrian explosion in the Burgess Shale of Canada, wrote in 1985, I look skeptically upon diagrams that show the branching diversity of animal life through time and come down at the base to a single kind of animal. Animals may have originated more than once, in different places and at different times. Nevertheless, most paleontologists, including Valentine and his colleagues, do not regard the Cambrian explosion as a refutation of Darwinian evolution. Indeed, Valentine recently reaffirmed his conviction that Darwin was correct in his conclusions that all living things have descended from a common ancestor. Whatever the source of the Darwinists' conviction may be, it cannot be the Cambrian fossil evidence. They can only affirm their belief in Darwinian evolution in spite of the Cambrian fossil record, not because of it. What Darwin Said The manner in which species belonging to several of the main divisions of the animal kingdom suddenly appear in the lowest known fossiliferous rocks may be truly urged as a valid argument against the views here entertained. Charles Darwin, The Origin of Species <laughs>